If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 12. There were our brother just read. Tonight I want us to read a couple of verses from this portion in chapter 12. And we read there in verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And the Lord Jesus Christ healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Now, um, I'm going to ask a question in a moment. And I'd like everybody to listen real, real attentively to this question. And this is the question. What is man's responsibility towards God? I mean, where does man's responsibility begin? Beloved, our responsibility begins at the Word of God. It begins with what God has said. And we read in our portion, Is not this the Son of David? And we see here by their rhetorical question and by the Lord's testimony to them that this indeed was the Son of God, indeed the Son of David. You see, this is why they asked the question we read in our portion tonight. Is not this the Son of David? I mean, it was clear to them that he's the Christ, that he's God manifest in the flesh. I mean, it was clear and evident to them that he was the promised Messiah. And that's why they asked the question, is not this the son of David? And so, my friend, the responsibility of a man is to believe God, indeed to believe his testimony and record. That's my responsibility and that's your responsibility, to believe the record and testimony of God concerning his son. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech was, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's my prayer tonight, that as I declare his word, he'll be pleased to send his spirit and power and save his people. It's like when he said to Nicodemus, remember, he said, no one may enter, no one may see the kingdom of God except they be born of water and the spirit. And that water, beloved, we know that's the clean water of the gospel of God's son. And if he's pleased to tonight, he'll call convict and, and comfort his people tonight. I, I pray that speaks uh, that, that will be true of everyone in this auditorium. You see, beloved, we preach the testimony, the record, the word that God has given concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is God's testimony. It's his record. And make no mistake about it. Man is responsible to believe God's testimony. And a believer, when he believes, when he believes the word, he sets a seal to the word of God and says, God is true. And if you're a, a believer tonight, you know that expression. You know, let, let God be true and every man a liar. His testimony, his record is the only testimony and record that matters. And when a man doesn't believe, hear me, when a man doesn't believe, in effect, he's calling God a liar because he says, I don't believe the record. I don't believe the testimony, the word that God has given. You see, a man says God's a liar when he refused to believe God, God's testimony. 
And so man's responsibility is to believe. And at that, believe right now, right this very moment. And so when God's word comes to a man, a man's responsible to believe and to believe this very moment. That's his responsibility. That's my responsibility, and that's your responsibility. To When we hear his word preached and declared, to believe it this very moment. It's not to go home and consider it. Rather, it's to believe God's word right now, this very moment. In other words, what I'm saying to you, my friend, is to walk in the light that, Lord, that the Lord's given you. Walk in the light God gives. And remember, this is what our Lord says in John chapter 12, verse 35. These are the words of our Lord and God. He says the, the following words. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. And in verse 36, he further declares, while ye have light, believe in the light that ye may be the children of light. And so, my friend, walk in the light that God gives you. Walk in the light that God gives you right now. And so a man or a woman, as they're hearing God's word, they're either at that moment believing God or they're not. Right where you sit right now, you are either believing God or you're not. You see, there's no middle ground. God knows whether a man or a woman believes him or whether a man or woman doesn't believe him. And this is the testimony, the defining characteristic of all of God's people. They all believe God. And these men that we read about in our portion, when they saw this miracle, when they saw the man who was possessed, healed by the Lord, verse 23, it says there, all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? They said, Is not this the Christ of God? You see, they knew he was the Christ, and there was an abundant evidence of that fact. Remember Nicodemus? Most of you are familiar with the scriptures. You'll remember Nicodemus. We read about that account in John chapter 3. And he came to the Lord Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And so they asked the question, Is not this the son of David? And they said that because our Lord's miracles had clearly shown that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah 35. In fact, if you take keep your place there in, in Matthew 12, and turn there with me to Isaiah chapter 35. Now this is speaking of when God would come. Indeed, when the Savior would come into the world to save sinners. And it says in Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 4, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. And beloved, he has. <laughs> he has. The Lord Jesus Christ has come and finished the work the Father gave him to do. Isaiah 35, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, that is, as a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And so this miracle was a clear manifestation, a clear revelation that this is the Christ. This is when salvation would and did come into the world. And this speaks to when God came into the world to save sinners. And there's another thing we see here by God's grace. How that every miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ did, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, he's both God and man. 
My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the true and living God manifest in the flesh. And every miracle he did as a man, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he did those miracles to glorify God his Father. Indeed, to glorify God our Father. You see, as a man, as a real living flesh and blood man, he never did anything for his own glory. Rather, he did everything to glorify God the Father. And so this was a clear revelation to them that this is the Christ of God. And they're responsible to believe. Every one of us is responsible responsible to believe the record that God has given to us about his son. And so they're responsible. They're responsible to believe, but they didn't. And their unbelief was clearly a fulfillment of God's prophecy concerning the Christ, the promised Messiah of God. Listen to what these men said in verse 24. Again, Matthew 12, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, when they heard that this man possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, was healed by the Lord, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the Lord of the dung flies, the prince of the devils. And the Lord Jesus knew their thoughts. Now, they weren't saying this out loud. Notice this detail. They were not saying this out of their lips. They were just thinking it. You see, they were saying that in their minds. Even though there was a clear manifestation of who he is, they were saying, this fellow cast out devils by the Lord of the dungflies, the prince of the devils. And he knew what they were thinking. And it says, as we read this portion, and he said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And so we see here the rejection of the light by these men. The rejection of the way, the truth, and the life. Remember what our Lord said to Nicodemus? He said, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, men hate the light. And by nature, they hate the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. You see, my friend, the sin that condemns a man is not done outside the man, but it is in the man. The sin that condemned these men is not what was outside, but rather what was inside of them. You see, they never called him prince of the devils outwardly. You know, like with their mouth. They didn't say it out loud. They said this inside in their mind. And the Lord knew their thoughts. Indeed, he knew the sin of their unbelief as it bubbled up in their wicked minds. And then our Lord gives us three reasons as to why their thoughts are unjust and unreasonable. I mean, what they were reasoning is enmity towards God. And so even in their reasoning, in their, in their, in their thinking, all their thoughts were unjust and unreasonable. And the Lord Jesus Christ points out just how unreasonable their thinking was. I mean, what they were saying didn't make any sense at all. What they were saying in their mind. Our Lord said, in effect, if I cast out Satan, well, then he's divided against himself. And so then how shall his kingdom stand? If he's casting out himself, and that's the first point he pressed, and in effect, he's he's saying, if what I'm doing If I'm casting out a devil by the power of the prince of devils, then how can the devil's kingdom stand? And then secondly, he says in verse 27, 
If I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. And here's the conclusion, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, if I cast out Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. And this is true every time God sends his man. When the Lord God sends his gospel throughout all the world, and remember, beloved, they don't send themselves. And so therefore, whenever a man sent of God stands up and speaks God's word for the glory of God, for the glory of his well-pleasing son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when that man stands and does not speak his own words, but the words of God who sent him, then here's the truth. The kingdom of God has come unto you. And beloved, the kingdom of God has come to everyone that hears the gospel of God. And everyone who hears God's servants is responsible to believe God's word, the gospel of God concerning his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, beloved, we're not preaching ourselves. Rather, we're preaching the testimony of God. And every time that happens, beloved, the kingdom of God has come unto us. What an awesome, what a what an indescribably awesome responsibility. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And woe unto you if you don't believe it. You see, my friend, we're responsible to believe God's word. And so let me ask you this helpful question. How much does a person have to believe of God's word? How much? Every bit of it, my friend. Every jot and tittle. You see, a believer is just that. A believer is someone who believes God. For example, Abraham believed God. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. We see how that Abraham was given faith to believe. And so seeing that a man is spiritually dead, graveyard dead, six feet under the ground spiritually dead, how that he cannot believe God and how that the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so, beloved, seeing that a man is dead spiritually that his thoughts are enmity against God, seeing that a man is spiritually dead, blind, deaf, lame, and poor, and that he's a leper, God alone must save him. And so if a man will ever be made whole, it says in verse 28, Matthew 12, verse 28, The kingdom of God must come unto you, verse 29, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. You see, my friend, the Lord Jesus Christ has got to deliver his people. He's the one that's got to deliver his people from the power of darkness and translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. And since by nature man is dead spiritually, and under the power of darkness, the Lord Jesus Christ must come into the world to set his people free from the power of darkness. You see, he's the strong man that binds up Satan to spoil his goods. And he delivers his people from the power of darkness and the power of sin 
and translates them into the kingdom of his dear son. And we see here in our portion that very thing. In verse 30, our Lord declares, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And then listen to our Lord's conclusion. He says there in verse 33, Either make the the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. In other words, a person is either a new man, a new creation, or he's not. You see, you can't bring bad fruit from a good tree. If he's a good tree, inside he's a new man. You see, man by nature is corrupt. By nature he's evil. And our Lord declares, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And a man is going to do exactly what's inside his heart. Well, a good tree is one who is made good by the power of God. And one who's made such is one who's regenerated, uh, born from above one who's been given a new heart and he's going to have good fruit. But if the tree is corrupt, the fruit is corrupt and the tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34, our Lord continues, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. My friend, don't play with snakes. Don't play with snakes. I mean, even the little ones have got poison. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? It's impossible, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. You see, beloved, the reason that men don't preach the gospel, hear me, the reason why men don't preach the gospel is because they don't believe it. And I'm talking about men behind pulpits. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and whatever man believes, well, that's what he's going to say. And further, if he's not saying something, just the same, it's because he doesn't believe it. Verse 35. But beloved, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good fruit, good things. Verse, verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. My friend, what's in the heart right now will come out of your mouth. That's right. What's in your heart right now will come out of your mouth. And the Lord said that whatever comes out of your mouth is either going to justify you or it's going to condemn you. We read in Romans chapter 10, if you want to... Look there with me. Romans chapter 10. I'll begin reading there in uh, in verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, what's in the heart is going to come out in confession. And these men, after they heard this, after they saw this miracle of how the Lord Jesus Christ clearly testified that he is the Christ, they still had belief, uh, they still had unbelief in their minds. Just wicked unbelief. And the Lord corrected their thoughts. In effect, he told them, what you're thinking is wrong. And then he said, what comes out of the mouth is going to reveal what's in your heart. And what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? Back in our portion, Matthew 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. In effect, the Lord said, That's evil for a man to seek after a sign. For man is responsible to believe God's word. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And beloved, remember, the Lord Jesus Christ was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And there's no sign that's going to be given this world other than what's already been given. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has already come. He's already gone to the cross. And this thing, this thing was not done in secret. Everybody knows, this is a matter of historical fact, everybody knows that a man named Jesus of Nazareth died out of the gates of Jerusalem. That's an historical fact. Everybody knows that he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. That's an historical fact. I mean, it's a matter of record. And there's no other sign that's going to be given than that, than the sign of Jonah. And my friend, God's people don't deal with what ifs. God's people, we don't deal with what ifs, we deal with what is. And what is, is what we read in Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. Again, back in, in Romans, verse 5 reads, Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. You see, he already came. He already went to the cross. He already died and put away the sins of his people. On the earth, on the cross of Calvary, he said, it is finished. And in heaven, on the very throne of the majesty on high, he declares, it is done. And so don't say in your heart, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But what saith the word of God? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Not what's in your carnal mind right now. The word we're preaching how near is it? Well, it's either in your mouth or it's not there. How near is it? Well, it's in your mouth or it's not. And the word we preach, if it's in your heart, if it's there, it's in your heart right now by God's grace. And if it's there, somebody put it there because it wasn't there before. But if you believe right now, it's in your heart. And that's the word of faith which we preach. Again, Romans 10, verse 9. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that because you were saved. <laughs> and beloved, this is what our Lord's declaring in our portion tonight in Matthew chapter 12. He said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And in the following verses, we see him speaking to the responsibility of man. And, and notice he uses uh, two examples. First, he uses the example of the men of Nineveh. And then he uses the example of the Queen of Sheba. A man's responsibility, beloved, is to repent and believe God's word. Indeed, believe the words that that God-sent man is preaching to you. He's, he's not there to preach something novel, something new. <laughs> Don't you love the testimony of our brother Philip? There's that man, that, uh, that eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was there in Jerusalem, got his hands on a, uh, the scroll of Isaiah, and is an unregenerate man. That man said to Philip's question, remember he queried him, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> and he said, how can I unless a man teach me? Well, Philip was a God-sent man, and he knew if that man was to hear the gospel, it wouldn't be Philip straightening him out. He knew what his Lord said. He knew that the Lord said in John chapter 6, verse 45, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God, and all who hear the Father and learn of him come to me. And the Holy Spirit records for us how Philip began at that scripture, <laughs> opened his mouth, and preached to him Jesus. And we were singing that song earlier, were we not? What a precious name. You know why it's so precious? Remember the angel came to Joseph in a dream? I mean, this young man, he didn't know what to do. His fiancée was pregnant. He hadn't consummated the marriage. And the angel of the Lord came to him and told him, uh, uh, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife. For what's conceived in her womb is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you shall call his name Jesus, Joshua. Savior. How come? For he shall save his people from their sins. He's not this wannabe Savior who's trying to save everybody. No, beloved, he came into the world by commandment. The Father sent him to seek and save that which is lost. And at the end of time, <laughs> every one of his sheep, every one of his lambs will be found. Now, again, these, these examples that the Lord is using here, he says, notice, in verse 41 of Matthew 12, the men of Nineveh shall rise, again, verse 41 of, of Matthew 12, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. The man that God sent, Jonah, the reluctant prophet of God. <laughs> Remember, he didn't want to go. As a matter of fact, he ran away. He said, Lord, I knew you were merciful. That's why I didn't want to go. But the Lord had him go anyway, and he went there with a message with no hope. How that in 40 days, God's going to bring destruction. And he was three days in the belly of the fish. And, you know, when he came out of that fish, he must have looked like the walking dead. I mean, with the acid of the fish, he must have looked like death itself. And he warned the people. 
And when they heard Jonah, they repented. And the Lord adds, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. God's promised Christ, the Messiah. Verse 42. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that one greater than Jonah. And the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. You see, man is responsible to repent. Repent of what? Repent of what? Um, just a quick aside. Beloved, faith and repentance do the same thing. Do you know what faith and repentance both do? Uh, look with me in Second Timothy, if you would. Second Timothy chapter 2. And it says there, in verse 25, and this is what repentance does. It says in verse uh, 23, and, and Paul's writing to young Timothy. He tells him, Timothy, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience, patient in meekness, Instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. How many religious people do we know that have a Bible in their hand, go to a building every Sunday, and they've never repented? Never repented. What do I mean? Well, there are some people that go to buildings and they're taught that someone who's saved on a Friday can do something over the weekend and on Monday they're not saved. They've not repented. Why do I say that? The Lord Jesus Christ tells us in John chapter 10, beginning there in verse 30, 25, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I, don't you love the word give? <laughs> he doesn't say I offer. He's not a, he's not a car salesman trying to make a deal. <laughs> I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. How come? Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega of all of our salvation. Indeed, he's the captain of our salvation, beloved. Now, I just showed you what repentance is. It's the acknowledging of the truth as it is in Jesus. And faith does the same thing. Uh, turn and look at the book of Titus. Titus chapter 1. It says there in Titus chapter 1, Paul, servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Uh, I'll just, I'll make it plainer. Um, some of us know people who uh, are in other religions. For example, uh, if someone believes that God has no son, they haven't repented. They only repent when they acknowledge the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so we repent of what is in our minds at birth, these evil thoughts about God. Remember, the sin that condemns man is in his mind and in his heart. For by nature, the false God that's in the mind and heart of man, by nature, is not the God of the Bible but rather just a God of his own making. 
You know, some people will teach and preach that when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, he merely made salvation a possibility, just a potential salvation, and that he died for everyone. And someone who believes that has not repented. For the Son of God said this in his great priestly prayer. He said, I pray not for the world, but for those you've given me. And beloved, be sure of this. He said these words. He tells us the Father's will. He said, this is the Father's will, he who, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. What is that saying? It's saying right now at this very moment, there's not one of his sheep, not one of his lambs in hell right now. There's not one person for whom he died who's in hell right now. That's just a fact. And I only know that fact because of God's grace. I hear his voice. It's very simple. (laughs) I'm not preaching a theology. I'm not preaching a theological position to you. I'm preaching a person. And the Lord Jesus Christ does not lie, my friend. (laughs) He does not lie. And so by nature, all of us come out of our mother's womb speaking lies and believing lies and believing a God of our own making. And so when man is called on to repent towards God, he's called on to repent of his wicked and evil thoughts about his creator. You see, I don't care what a man thinks. If his thoughts and ideas about God are not according to what God reveals in his word, it's an idol and ought to be thrown away real quick. No debating about it, no thinking about it, just right away. You see, the only thing we know about God is what God has revealed to us in in Jesus Christ. And my friend, he is the only Lord and God there is. And so repent about any thoughts about God. Repent about any thoughts about who the Lord Jesus Christ is that's not according to God's own word. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is God manifest in the flesh. And sadly, men think that Jesus is just some poor gentleman that they can manipulate. Well, my friend, he's sovereign. And the question is not, what are we going to do with Jesus? But what what is he going to do with us? See, he's a sovereign. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And so everybody that sees the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Apostle Paul, we bow down before him and ask, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Or like when the Apostle John, the beloved Apostle, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, he loved the Lord and the Lord loved him. And John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. You see, beloved, the only God we'll ever see is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a fact. Remember Thomas, our brother? <laughs> he uh, He's known as Doubting Thomas, isn't he? The Lord appeared to the other disciples, and he wasn't there at that time. And uh, he said, uh, I won't believe unless I put my hand in, in, in his wounds, in his side. And the Lord appeared to him. <laughs> and uh, as I bring that scene to my mind, I just see our brother Thomas falling down before him <laughs> and uh, not even able to touch his precious wounds <laughs> and saying, Lord, uh, you are my Lord and my God. <laughs> and so if you're here tonight, And you don't have it in your mind and in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Repent about your thoughts of him. Repent about your thoughts about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And further, we're to repent about our thoughts about who we are. 
You know, sometimes when the Lord opens opportunities to talk to people, you can ask them, are you a sinner? And that uh, pride comes out real quick. And somebody says, um, well, everybody's a sinner. <laughs> well, sir, I didn't ask you if everybody was a sinner. I asked you if you were a sinner. And they reluctantly own that. But God's people quickly own and confess, that's all I am, sin. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And sure, you might meet somebody who says, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. How about asking them this? Uh, are you evil? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm evil. That's why I need a Savior. God has put me in the light and the countenance of his well-pleasing son. And in the light of Christ, he's shown me that I'm bankrupt. I'm broke. I'm naked. I have nothing to commend myself to the graces of God. And so we're not only to repent about our thoughts about God, but we're to repent about our thoughts about who we are. You see, a man by nature has high thoughts of himself, and a man has got to be brought down to the dust and know that he has nothing and that he is nothing. And if the Lord doesn't do something for me, well, I'll perish. And so, my friend, repent. Repent. You see, man is responsible to repent when he hears God's word. And he's to repent about his thoughts towards God. And the Lord said, when the Holy Spirit comes and convinces of sin, he convinces of sin in this one respect, that you've not believed on me, that you've not bowed to me. Um, religious people who are zealous, they're welcome to debate. They're welcome to get in arguments. And I'm sure if you have spent any time studying God's word or, or been around people who profess to believe, you'll hear people talking about Arminianism and Calvinism and this whole debate. Well, there's no debate for those who hear his voice. John 3.16 declares, and it's, it's such a wonderful verse. It's a, a favorite of many. It says, for God so loved the world. It does not say for God so loved the Jews. It says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if a man stands behind a pulpit and says the Lord Jesus Christ died for all men, praise God. But if that man defines what he said this way, that he died for all men without exception, that man's not sent of God. See, he died for all men without distinction. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that. You see, in Revelation chapter 5, you turn there with me. Revelation chapter 5, it says there, you know, in, in verse 9, and beloved, remember, he, he's, he's loved us and washed us with his own precious blood. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it speaks there of the redeemed, God's precious, purchased people, redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says there, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Notice, out of. He has a people out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And notice verse 10. Speaking of that glorious gospel truth, our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, is our king and priest and united to him, verse 10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Beloved, as he is, so are we in this world right now. And so man is responsible to repent when he hears God's son 
and to believe on him, to repent about his thoughts towards him. And the Lord said, when the Holy Spirit comes and convinces of sin, again, I'll, I'll repeat it, he convinces of sin in this one respect, that you've not believed on me, that you've not bowed to me. And then the second example we have, the Queen of Sheba, we see here in, in both these cases, the men of Nineveh, they heard and they repented. I mean, they didn't say, well, perhaps he'll be merciful. And beloved, the gospel is a much better message, is it not? It's so much better. I mean, this message, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came into the world to save sinners, he delights to show mercy to sinners. And beloved, he will have mercy. It's, it's, it's a glorious, wonderful message. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. What a, what a gloriously wonderful message. Because if a man, if a woman, if a boy, if a girl knows herself as a sinner, she'll come to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he came to save sinners. It says in verse 42 of our portion, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You see, the queen of Sheba, she was off in a faraway land and she heard of the wisdom. She heard of Solomon, of how that God had blessed Solomon. And, and she heard. She heard. And what was her response? When she heard, she came. And this is the responsibility of hearing the wisdom of Christ. Now, man by nature cannot and will not repent, and man will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ except God draw him. Remember what our Lord said? No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so we see here in our portion tonight how that man is responsible and so we say, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on him, repent of your thoughts of who God is, and believe the gospel of how God may be just and justify the ungodly. And come to him now, right now, bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that God would grant us the ability to respond. You see, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, and woe is unto you if you don't believe it. And my friend, God's got to do something for us. He's got to do a work of grace in our heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. Before I ask uh, Brother James to conclude our time together in a word of prayer, I would just like to read a portion, one last portion of God's word. Turn with me to uh, Titus chapter 3. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote, Are we better than they? In no wise. I'm so thankful the Scriptures declare a true and faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I, uh, I wish uh, everybody could be like me. <laughs> In this regard, uh, before I heard the gospel, somebody would ask me, uh, so uh, uh, what are you? <laughs> I would say, uh, oh, I'm a Reformed Baptist. 
<laughs> with my nose high in the air. But now by God's grace, I can say I'm an undeserved, uh, I've been undeservedly saved by God's grace. I'm just, I'm just a sinner. <laughs> and Jesus Christ is my savior. Uh, we had a speaker at a conference and I forget the, uh, the, the preacher from the 19th century he quoted. Does anybody remember his name? Anyway, he was on his deathbed. His mind was faltering. And uh, as I understand it, he was greatly used of the Lord. And just before he departed this time state, and before the Lord came for him to be with him in glory, he said, I know two things. Uh, I'm a great sinner, <laughs> and the Lord Jesus Christ is a great Savior. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And Paul is writing to t Titus, and he instructs them, or instructs Titus, Beloved Titus, put them in mind to be subject to, the prin to principalities and powers. Now the them, he's speaking to and of God's beloved people. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, Salvation is not by doing, it's by believing. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he sheds on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, being declared innocent before the law of God, being declared innocent by the blood and righteousness of Christ, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen.